Does anyone else feel that, feel like at the end of worship already? I just kind of toss my hands up here and like, you know. So uh, let's help me out a little bit here. Let's pray. Father in heaven, is there a word left for me to speak? We have sung your praises. We have heard of how awesome you are. We have heard of the work of the gospel being done in Benin. We see what you have created in the music that Sandy and the band have just given to us in praise of you. Can there be anything left? And yet we know that your word is a never-ending fount, a spring for us. And you continue to show us who you are through it. So, Father, guide us through your word once again today that we might know more of who you are, that we might see your Son exalted and lifted high. Holy Spirit, be our comforter, our counselor, and our guide right now as we seek your face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What do you think the longest running show on television is? What's that? Monday Night Raw. <laughs> no, actually, not Monday Night Raw. It is... Sabado Gigante. So, but, if you don't watch television in Spanish, the second longest running show in the world is The Price is Right. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Alright, most of you, you guys, there's this game show and I'm not going to explain any more than that. And what is it about The Price is Right that made it so wildly successful? Was it because there was an incredible story that caused people to be riveted to that screen day in and day out? Because it's all, it is the longest running weekday show, Monday through Friday show. No, it's all about the big reveal. It's all, show me what's behind curtain number one. That's all you care about. You want to hear, you know, and if you were like me growing up, you were waiting for a brand new car! That's the only prize that was worth it. Everything else was, who cares? What car is it going to be? Who, who's going to get the car? Because it's like, who cares what a price of a can of soup is? All right? And who cares, like, you know, just punching your fist through the numbers and seeing what you get? And did anyone really care about, you know, reaching that giant wheel and then... <laughs> adding up to a dollar? No. It's about getting to the showcase at the end and seeing the second one because the second one was always better than the first one, right? And if Bob Barker didn't reveal what was behind the curtain, there's no show. And if Bob Barker didn't reveal it, you never found out. This Psalm 19 that the worship team read for us. C.S. Lewis says that this is the greatest 
poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. We are privileged to be studying this passage this morning. And why does Lewis call this the greatest poem, the greatest lyric? Because this psalm talks better than any other about God's big reveal. God has made himself known to us. He himself is the prize behind that curtain. He has made himself known. He wasn't like the Wizard of Oz, that fraud trying to hide behind the curtain, you know, saying, ignore the man behind the curtain, you know? No. He has made himself known. And if he didn't make himself known, we couldn't know him. Does that blow your mind? God reveals himself to you. And this passage says that he reveals himself in three ways. Through the world, through his word, and through his son. And so let's ask the question, what does God revealing himself to you mean to you? So that first point, God reveals himself to you through the world. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. See, renowned atheist and author Richard Dawkins looks at the universe, and he says, the universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil and no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. And to that I just have to say, what world are you looking at? See, atheism is a faith statement. Here, Dawkins is not being scientific as much as he would like to convince others that he is. And Stephen Hawking also. He is saying how the world is constructed, how the universe coheres, and he is saying that it doesn't. Understand that it takes more faith to be an atheist than to believe that there is a God who orders the universe. And Scripture does not let Dawkins or anyone else get away with it. Verse 3, There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. No speech where it's not heard. No one can deny that there is a Creator. We hear this again in Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Tony Rothman, another physicist and author, and a lecturer at Princeton University puts it this way. When confronted with the order and beauty of the universe and the strange coincidences of nature, 
It's very tempting to take the leap of faith from science to religion. I'm sure many physicists want to. I only wish they would admit it. The song, if some of you were unfamiliar with that fantastic rendition that Sandy and the band treated us to, is, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, consider all the works thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, the power, thy power throughout the universe displayed. John had pegged it right. There was no better introduction to this sermon in this passage than that song. Thank you. God is there for everyone to see. God calls us to be amazed and acknowledge that he made everything. See, some of us are like bored teens at the museum. Not to pick on you teens, all right, but... Ugh. So... You know, just we're remarking on just some sculpture by Michelangelo and saying, look at the creator here. Michelangelo saw, what does he say? I don't create anything, I just reveal what is there. And we're just going on about just his skill and the amazing beauty that his hands have given to all of us that we might just take part in and enjoy it. And our bored team says the most hated word in the English language. Whatever. <laughs> but we're more like bored teens than not. How often in our jaded ways do we just come at the world and say, I see more to complain about than to marvel and delight in. But the Bible will not let us get away with that. We should look at ordinary things and see God as its source. See, some of us are like preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones, who first acknowledged there was a creator. He was a doctor. In fact, he was a royal physician. He took care of the royal family. But then on the birth of his son, he marveled at the perfection of his son's ear and at that moment acknowledged that there must be a creator. I love the show Unwrapped on Food Network. You know, just, it's a show that goes after nostalgic, you know, treats, whether it's candy or food items, and lets you know what it takes to bring that about, the history of it and everything. Do you know what it takes to bring a single potato chip to you? Take a look at this. We're going to get from um, our kettle chips and also what kind of yield we can expect. Next. They slice the taters seconds before dropping them into hot oil. This is where they put the crisp in the chip. When the slices enter the fryer, they cause the temperature to drop, and then the, t the temperature slowly comes up again, and, and that cooking process is what gives us our characteristic crunch. A cook stirs each 300-pound batch by hand. Then the crispy chips get the once-over from a special machine. The optical sorter is looking for any sort of chip it doesn't like, uh, typically a dark, overcooked chip or a defect. It blasts it out with a blast of air and goes to our, our special little bin that we have turned into animal feed. Next, the chips that make the grade topple through a giant seasoning drum. They, as they tumble around, the, the chips are just coated with, uh, with our special seasonings. 
Then they hit the scales. One batch of chips makes 600 bags. And that makes for a few thousand pairings with the potato chip's favorite partner, the sandwich. Nothing like a bag of chips. They go great with sandwiches. They go great with... They do go great with sandwiches. They are, I mean, just a potato chip. And it comes unbroken in that bag to you. All right? And you, didn't, you might not have seen this, but remember how fast they were just getting spit out? It goes through this thing with a camera connected to a computer that identifies any burnt chip, any chip that is too brown. And so it's taking images, tens, I mean, just hundreds of times a second. And then with a puff of air, it blows it out of that stream going to the side. It's mind-blowing. One single potato chip. Never mind what it took to grow that potato. Never mind the shipping that it takes to bring that to your store so you can buy it. Just, and uh, now, Food Network did it, but they're just, you know, rip-off artists. Mr. Rogers did this first, all right? So, Fred Rogers, what, we are, how, what a debt we owe. Um, look at the best example that this passage shows from verse 4 on. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. In diameter, the sun is 109 times bigger than the earth, 330,000 times heavier, yet it's mostly made up of the two lightest things in the universe, hydrogen and helium. Its surface temperature is 5,500 degrees Celsius and sits about 93 million miles from Earth. It takes light, which travels 186,000 miles per second. It takes it eight minutes, 19 seconds to hit the Earth, but it's still strong enough to be the source of all life and give you a raging sunburn in about an hour. This is all amazing. And we call this general revelation. The word almost doesn't seem to quite do it justice. But our God is doing a million, billion, trillion times this and more every second. But it gets better. See, God reveals himself to you through his word. See, the sun was the last thing that it talked about, but then it goes into the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. Understand the connection. As incredible as the sun is, this is even better. Why is the word better? Well, one hint we see is right here. Before, in verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. That's just the generic word, God, L. It's like calling me pastor, all right, from the back over there or from a couple churches over. You can call me, you know, just you could take a guess and say I'm the pastor and, and you'd be right, right? But here, the law of the Lord and those four capital letters, the big L and the, the capital but smaller O-R-D, that's the English translator's little hint saying that's where Yahweh is being used, the name of the Lord. 
See, now you get to see God, who he actually is, specifically. General, creation can never tell you that. And so lots of people come up with, and every world culture has come up with some way to explain creation. Voodoo is an explanation, not a really good one, but an explanation of creation. But the Bible tells you who the creator is. And so here, instead of calling me pastor, you call me Martin. And that's a difference. I'm not a generic guy anymore. You know me for who I am. And that's what God does here in his word. Here, you can know God for who he is. And the word of God is a mirror. We learn how we should live through his word. Last week, John talked about Psalm 1-1, and what did it say? Blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. How? How do you know not to do those things? Because your delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law you meditate day and night. That's the thing that differentiates, that separates the scoffers and the mockers from those who love the Lord. The Word does that. You know, our nation's laws and constitution are founded on the Word, on the Ten Commandments. And these are the adjectives right from this passage about this Word. Perfect, trustworthy, right, radiant, pure, sure, righteous, Sweeter than honey, more precious than gold. And so the question comes to you, do you love God's word? Do you pour over the Bible? Not to embarrass anyone, but I know Don Cameron does. I know Nina Yenchko does. I know all of the fellowship group leaders and Bible study leaders do. You know, are you like that bored teenager in Bible study? When this is what the Bible is about. The Bible is about God making himself known to you. Think about it. To come just that way to the Bible and just kind of come at it indifferently or coming at it with the attitude, I'm a Christian so I ought to be into the Bible. I mean, that's a sinful attitude. Because if you know, and now you do, because I'm telling you that the Word is telling you this. If you know that the Bible is about God making Himself known to you, then your response should be, Lord, where are you in this? I will look for you every time. Give me eyes to see that I might seek your face. So, you know, you don't have to be a Don Cameron or a Nina Yanchko. You don't have to be a fellowship group leader. But please join a fellowship group. Join a Bible study. And get plugged in. And find other people who have made joy in the Word a lifestyle. It rubs off, I promise. And, you know, this is the way that 
a lot of us go along in life. Like Martin Lloyd-Jones, you know, Parfait's life is a perfect example. All right, in creation, he saw and tried understanding, you know, just who, was, who is it who made all things? But it wasn't enough. But then the word, you delighted in the word. And you read of Lazarus, and you read of Jesus. And this is the route from general revelation to special revelation in the word that our life takes. And the passage says that both use words. Day and night, the heavens pour forth speech. And the law of the Lord is perfect. These words are trustworthy, are pure and true. But there is one more word. The one who is the word of the Lord, the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. You see, God reveals himself in one last way. And you need need this way. He reveals himself to you through his son, Jesus Christ. See, in verse 12 and 13, who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. See, David was the writer of this hymn. And there's a shift from talking about God's revelation in creation to God's revelation in his word. And then it's like this jarring halt. Because now he's taking very personally his hidden faults and his willful sins. And suddenly, he is describing a need in his soul. This is very appropriate. See, after seeing God in his world and God in his word, It should lead us to a great concern for our sins. And we should have a moral response of conviction. You see, at this point, David is realizing he can't sing this psalm. He is not one who has acknowledged that creation sings God's praises. He is not one who has loved the law of the Lord. He is not one whose life says, I turn to you. He's the same David who committed adultery with Bathsheba, who murdered Uriah, who took a census of the kingdom to see how great he was. But you and I can't sing this psalm either. You and I are guilty of those same hidden sins, those willful sins. And we have the same need as David, a need for a Savior. And brothers and sisters, you know how God has solved that problem with his final word of revelation, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. See, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says that this word, the Son, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. See, that verse is saying what this chapter is saying. God has made himself known in the most fantastic and unbelievable way possible.
He has made himself known in Jesus Christ as our Savior, as our Redeemer, and as our friend. You see, Jesus can sing this psalm. Right there from the beginning, he has seen how creation sings of God's glory. He has always loved the law of the Lord. And he had no hidden faults or willful sins. And because he took our place on the cross and credits us with his righteousness, now we are in Jesus Christ and we, along with David, can sing this psalm. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. That's when your soul can sing. That's when you can rejoice. And so, how does God so richly reveal him, revealing himself to you change how you live? Well, the last verse sets that trajectory for us. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. See, God invites us to respond in kind. He used words in creation. He used words in his word. And he used the word who is his son, Jesus our Lord, to make himself known. And now we respond with the words of my mouth, our mouths and our hearts, appreciating him in creation, in scripture, and in Jesus Christ. You know, in the world, consider that you're on earth as it's spinning a thousand miles an hour, as the earth itself is going 67,000 miles around an hour around the sun, making a full revolution every 365 days. And the solar itself, system itself is flying through space at 800,000 miles an hour. And somehow, you don't go flying off the face of the earth. You're going to tell me, oh, it spins fast enough to keep me on, is going to satisfy you as an explanation? Marvel in the universe God has made. And read and meditate on his holy word and look for Jesus in it. Every page whispers his name. Make it your intent, your holy desire to look for Jesus as you read the word. And as I look on you, North Shore Community Church, it would be great if you could tell others what you, that you are making of God a big thing, that of making himself known to your neighbors, to your coworkers, and to your friends. If you would be someone who points out to others God in creation, God in the word, and God in Jesus Christ. And never apologize for seeing God in creation, in Scripture, and in Jesus. Let us pray. Father in heaven, you have given such ample evidence to show us that you are the God who was there and who have made yourself, has made himself known. Lord, let us delight in you in all these different ways, just as the psalmist does. And let our hearts respond in joy because 
We see you clearly, most of all in Jesus Christ. Carry us in this knowledge that our hearts be filled with love for you and appreciation of who you are and what you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.